1: Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you
1: dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Monday, March the 11th edition. Of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, a very special edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. One that I have been excited about for a few weeks now, recording this podcast, as the last two months have been spent curating ideas for what Miami will look to do this offseason from player preferences, connections from the coaching staff to free agents. I'm going to predict Miami's entire offseason from contract renewals, cuts to be made, free agent signings, and a draft, all before picking the Dolphins' final 53-man roster. I know, probably a futile exercise at the end there, but it's all for fun here in March as the new league year is about to begin, plus some news to kick off the podcast. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you new listeners to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, tuned in, wherever you Get your podcast from leave us a rating leave us a review we are a top five podcast in the Locked On Network but I would love to grow to the number one spot so please tell a friend about Locked On Dolphins also follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL follow the show at Locked Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com that one is the number one blog in the Locked On Network we have a detailed write-up on Dwayne Allen's acquisition from Saturday. You can find that in detail on LOD.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have tons of content as we always do. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Miami Dolphins. Up first in the news of the weekend that broke, I suppose, early Saturday morning for me on the West Coast, Probably more around lunchtime for you guys out there in the Miami area and the East Coast respectively, but Dwayne Allen, formerly of the New England Patriots, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts where he was drafted in the third round, the first pick of the third round back in 2012, signs a contract with Miami to be the starting tight end, I think, is where he begins right now today on the roster. But he signs a two-year contract for $7 million. I do not have the exact details of that contract, the exact parameters. As we all know, the guaranteed money is really what matters. And this could be a one-year deal for Allen, depending on the guaranteed contract. But Allen did just celebrate his 29th birthday. So the Dolphins going to the veteran well and a guy that has experience in this offense with this team, with this coaching staff, whether it's Chad O'Shea or the quarterback's coach and Jerry Szaplinski or just working under Brian Flores in general. But nonetheless, Dwayne Allen was a priority for this Dolphins team. The moment he got cut from the Patriots who were trying to save on the salary cap because Allen was due 7 million bucks this upcoming season, way too much for a guy that essentially operates as an inline blocker. And frankly, I thought the contract was a little bit rich, and that's probably why the Dolphins did that because Allen went on four free agent visits after he was cut, clearly had an idea in mind what he wanted to do, helped leverage up his cost, and here he is with the Dolphins through the 2020 season. And if you look at Allen's production over the last few years, he is not a pass target at all. No factor in the passing game where he used to be with the Colts, where he had targets at 66 in his rookie year, the highest he's ever had, scored three touchdowns and 521 yards that year, got hurt the following year, played just one game, and then came back four or three straight years rather with the Colts. Colts, played 13, 13, and 14 games, and was in that 300 to 400-yard receiving range. He caught eight touchdowns one year, six another year. Then he goes to New England, gets 22 targets in 2017, just four targets last year, three catches and 27 yards, no touchdowns on the season. But he only played 32.6% of the Patriots' offensive snaps, that's 365 in total, and the Patriots just did not run a lot of 12 personnel packages or any 13 personnel packages all all season long, so he functioned basically next to one of the offensive tackles, even when they had Rob Gronkowski on the field. And we saw how great Rob Gronkowski played as an inline blocker. Well, the Patriots might have viewed Allen in a similar vein by lining him up there when Gronk was on the field in those rare instances with 12 personnel on the field. He was out there for 147 passing plays last year, just 40% of his total workload. So maybe he tips your hand when he comes into the game that the ball is going to be ran most of the time. Of those 147 plays, he was asked to stay in for pass protection 41 times. That's 28% of the passing plays and 11% of his total plays. And in those 41 pass protecting opportunities, he allowed just three pressures. They were all hurries, no hits, no sacks on Tom Brady for a pass blocking metric of 96 6.7 that comes from our friends at profootballfocus.com now you might argue that Allen is more of a run blocking tight end and he is but last year he ranked 45th among all tight ends and run blocking but you go back to 2017 he was the eighth best run blocking tight end in the nfl playing 340 snaps in that role but you watch some of his tape and there's clips on the article up on lockdowndolphins.com And we're going to do this for every free agent signing, at least the notable ones. Free agent signing analysis, tight end Dwayne Allen up on LockedOnDolphins.com. I put some videos up there from the LockedOnDolphins Twitter timeline there showing some of Allen's strengths as far as his footwork, his fundamentals, his sound technique. He can climb to the second level. He can hit the crackback block. And a lot of the work in the passing game he did, the very limited work, is basically as a chip and release type of outlet guy as a tight end screen game or running to the flat or taking the stick route right over the middle between linebackers, in zone coverage. Again, you guys want to see more, check out LockedOnDolphins.com up there to get a look at what Dwayne Allen might do. Now, as far as what he means to this current roster, I think this spells biggest trouble for Nick O'Leary because the Dolphins, basically, Mike Kosicki is unique in terms of the four tight ends on the roster. He's basically a souped up receiver at this point. Nick O'Leary, unless he plays more fullback, I think is going to be the one that gets the odd man out deal. And it only cost the Dolphins $100,000 to cut him. And Durham Smythe, of course, a fourth round draft pick, might be in trouble too, because that was kind of his role as a lead type of blocker lining up in line. So Dwayne Allen to Miami, their first move of the offseason. Other news we did not get to on the Friday podcast, Danny Amendola was cut by the Miami Dolphins, saving them $6 million and cap space, and I think that this entire idea of tanking can be kind of compartmentalized into a couple of these moves. Of course, Amandola had that veteran presence on the roster that many of you argue with me the Dolphins needed to keep, but they get it by way of Dwayne Allen for a cheaper contract, and amandola goes out the door, and his $6 million contract comes completely off the books as well. Other news, Devontae Parker tweeted out a image of two of the emoji peace signs basically saying deuces. We know he was going to be gone, but he tweets about it as if he's somehow proud of the fact that he blew every chance he got in Miami so Amandola and Parker likely out to me that means Kenny still sticks around but we'll see, and we'll get into that more in the next segment as we do the off-season preview. And lastly here, real quick, Antonio Brown goes to the Raiders for a third and fifth round draft pick over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm wondering, should the Dolphins have been on that train? Now, from an ability standpoint, of course they should have been. Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers in the history of the NFL. And for my money, the best receiver going right now with 1,500 yards every single year going back six seasons. The guy just produces. The guy beat single cut. The guy beats double coverage, but as far as the contract goes, I don't think Miami could have been in on what that was asked of with 19 million bucks a year for a receiver, a very, very high figure, even though he's an all pro 30 year old receiver. Now, does this mean the Raiders might go after Kyler Murray as they try to reshape that entire offense? What it means to me is that they could. But what it also means is that there's basically no chance of Murray getting past the first pick now. Either the Cardinals take him there or the Raiders will deal up and get him, despite the fact that Derek Carr has had a love fest on Twitter with Antonio Brown. I still believe the Raiders want to remake that entire offense and build things around Kyler Murray. Will they get the chance? I don't know. But to me, it means the Dolphins will not get that chance. All right, we're going to come back here on the podcast and do this entire preview of the offseason. Free agents, cuts, re-signings, drafts, all you guys want to know as the new league year begins on Wednesday. The legal tampering period is officially open, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. We're going to get into that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We are playing a bit of our own fantasy football here on the podcast. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I haven't played fantasy football in several years. It's just not for me. But the part of the off season that revolves around a fantasy idea is the construction or potential construction of the Dolphins roster. Looking at players they might let walk in free agency, who they'll bring back, who they'll acquire from other teams, how they will draft. I love piecing this all together every single offseason. Last year, I nailed the Josh Sitton signing. I did very well in the draft with Minka Fitzpatrick, Mike Gasicki, and Kalen Balage. Other free agent signings I missed. I had tight end Darren Fells. I kind of thought they would build this team more around a 12 personnel attack to capitalize on what Ryan Tannehill did well. They did not. They played like crap. So here we are in 2019 trying to figure things out again. And I want to touch on something with Dwayne Allen that I mentioned in the first segment that is a team that is going to tank really going to sign a 29 year old tight end to a two year contract that pays him 7 million bucks. I just don't know that I see that. I think that the perpetuators of this tank idea have been the same few folks that are connected to the team and they do have that outlet and those sources. You guys know who I'm talking about. But what's to say that the Dolphins maybe didn't give them a line of crap to make them perpetuate those lies and get people thinking this Dolphins team was not going to be a player in free agency or moving up in the draft, whatever it might be, not being aggressive this offseason because... The Dwayne Allen signing, to me, says they might be more aggressive than we think. And if they go out and sign Trey Flowers, then the all bets are off on the tanking idea because you can throw that completely out the window that this team is going to try to prepare a roster that can't win games. And I think that one of the illusions that does give the idea of a tank is that all the cuts that happen or that are going to happen over the coming days of this Dolphins team, and that includes Danny Amendola and maybe even Josh Sitton and definitely Ryan Tannehill, is that they're going to look at those names and say, these guys have been the biggest contributors to the Dolphins team, whether or not you want to say it was successful or not, over the last few years. So they must be tanking because they're getting rid of all the guys that were responsible for their seven win seasons or their six win seasons. And I look at that and say... You're looking at a bunch of veterans that really didn't contribute a whole lot to a big time winning program and they ate up a big chunk of your salary cap for underwhelming performances. So to me, that's just smart business decisions. And of course, they have to purge out some of the mistakes made by Mike Tannenbaum, which of course, they're going to do this offseason as he is finally out the door after putting this roster in a really difficult position. Because as you guys know, I do my whiteboard drops about three or four times every offseason. And right now, I'm just in the cultivation process and trying to figure out what each player provides to this Dolphins team and the roster going forward. I have them under six categories up on the whiteboard. The blue chippers are those are the elite guys at their positions. The plus starters, not quite elite, but definitely above average. The viable veterans, the guys that we know who they are and the right around league average at their position. The potential players, guys like Shaquem Grant who have upside more than they've actually produced on the field. Then you have the Jags, just a guy slash special teamers like a Walt Aikens, for instance. And then you have a guy that is needs replacing the red guys on the roster. Danny Amendola was a red guy on the roster but he no longer is so just looking over the whiteboard here and kind of discerning who is really the blue chips and who's the valuable players to this roster the Dolphins are kind of lacking in that regard although they do have a chance to hopefully turn some of that around starting this off-season under Brian Flores and with that let's go ahead and jump right into this off-season preview I've been looking forward to this podcast for a long long time now And basically over the last month since the Dolphins hired Brian Flores, all these staffers coming on, whether it's Marvin Allen with the Chiefs, whether it's Patrick Graham from the Packers, or all this Patriots influence, the idea is to use all those dots, connect them all, and try to figure out which players at which positions the Dolphins could be interested in. And one of the things I did was go back over some of the press conferences from the introduction at the Combine between Brian Flores and Chris Greer, and try to make note of which characteristics they liked in football players. And we all know by now, high character, high football acumen, a guy that prioritizes football over everything else, a team-oriented individual, and people that are leaders with communication skills to boot. On offense, what do they want? They want an accurate, mobile quarterback. They want capable running backs in the passing game, the reintroduction of a fullback in Miami, tight ends that can squeeze down in line and block and help in the running game, and offensive linemen that are athletic enough but play with power, which allows you scheme versatility between zone and man concepts on defense. Are they heavy-handed linemen with astute eye discipline? Two-gap players, linebackers that can run, hit, blitz, and cover, cornerbacks that excel in the change of direction metrics look at short shuttle look at three cone standouts and matchup oriented and role-based safeties on the back end guys that can come down and cover tight ends guys that can play strong safety guys that can play middle of the field center field safety that type of thing so the Dolphins have tons of cuts to make we already know about Danny Amendola Andre Branch and Ted Larson these are the rest of my cuts Devontae Parker Nick O'Leary Josh Sitton, Robert Quinn, Andre Branch, Akeem Spence, Kiko Alonso, and TJ McDonald wiping the floor with this entire roster going over starting from a brand new for this team because right now they have $5.9 million available before the three cuts that are already official on the salary cap. And after all these cuts are made that I have listed here, they'll have $68.8 million, give or take. And please take these with a grain of salt as far as the exact numbers, because my accounting skills are not as good as my writing and podcasting skills. So we're down to $68.8 bucks. And who will the Dolphins bring back? Which free agents will they re-sign? We're going to say goodbye to Cameron Wake. We're going to say goodbye to Frank Gore, to Brock Osweiler, Stefan Anthony, Marquise Gray, Sam Young, and so many others. But the name you probably didn't hear on that list, right tackle Jawan James. I re-signed James for four years at $36 million, 9 million years per average. I think that maybe he goes out on the market and tests it and then realizes that maybe a million more bucks per year is not worth leaving your hometown, leaving Miami, leaving his best friend in Laramie Tunzel, I think he comes back at a slight hometown discount for Jawan James. Number two, defensive end William Hayes gave him one year, 4 million bucks. Yeah, he's 34 years old. Yeah, he's been on IR each of the last two seasons, but I think he's a cheap risk to buy at that position because he is a perfect scheme fit for what they want to do. I brought back Ziggy Hood, I brought back Brandon Bolden, I brought back Mike Hull, Jake Brendel, Leontay Carew, and Isaiah Ford, all on very small contracts. Now granted, all these guys aren't necessarily going to make the team, but I brought them back on small contracts with minimal guarantees to get them into training camp. So now we have $18.8 million spent on the renewals. That gives us right around $50 million bucks to spend in free agency. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend big in free agency. I am buying the fact that the Dolphins will sign Trey Flowers of the New England Patriots I have him down for five years, $75 million. I know it's a lot. I know I talked about the big contracts being dead in the NFL, but I look at this one as the Dolphins viewing Trey Flowers as one of their own because, frankly, he kind of is. Brian Flores helped him grow his game in New England. He brings him to Miami. He fits in with the program. He fits in with the scheme. He allows them to do some creative stuff up front, whether it's sinking him down inside, kicking him out wide. I think he's going to go from 70% of the workload on defense up to closer to 80% next year. And Brian Flores is the one that wins the struggle, the power struggle rather, to make this signing and go out and get the big splash free agent guy because he is so unique in regards to what the Dolphins need at the position. They go out and make Trey Flowers a $15 million per year. Man, yeah, it's probably too high. Yeah, it could blow up in their face. Yeah, this scheme does generate pass rush mostly on its own, but I think they're going to see the value in Trey Flowers playing both inside and outside and go make him the sixth highest paid defensive end in the NFL. Up next, I signed defensive tackle Mike Pinnell from the Jets on two years, $9 bucks. That's four point five per year. He's 330 pounds. He can be that space eater inside, kind of rotating with Devon Godshaw. He played under Patrick Graham in Green Bay from 2014 to 2016 and played with the Jets the last couple of years. And he's been productive right there in the running game. He played 16 games each of the last two years and he serves as that two-gapping defensive tackle. This contract would make him the 32nd highest paid interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Up next, right guard from Jacksonville Jaguars, AJ Cann. I got him for three years at 12 million bucks, a $4 million per year deal makes him the 19th highest paid right guard. That could be underselling him a little bit, but I think the fact that his 2018 season was just not good means the Dolphins can get him on a bit of a bargain there. He has the makeup of being able to drop his anchor and playing with power. He never really gets bull rushed, and he's also fleet-footed enough to get out in space and make blocks on the outside to give you that flexibility between man and zone. Gap schemes on the offensive line. He played under Pat Flaherty, the Dolphins' new offensive line coach in Jacksonville, and so that brings him down to Miami to reunite with his former offensive line coach. We know about Dwayne Allen. I have him on there. Twenty-first highest-paid tight end in football now. Signed fullback Anthony Sherman from Kansas City. He's a two-year contract for four million bucks, two million per. They're going to have to have a fullback, and there just aren't a lot of fullbacks out there. And if you want to draft one, that's pretty risky to assume that you're going to get production out of a guy that hasn't really done it at the NFL level. The Dolphins are going to want to have a guy that can compete and produce at the position, and Sherman's a free agent. He was drafted by Marvin Allen when he was in Kansas City. And then the big one here, the big signing of the free agency period, I have the Dolphins signing quarterback Teddy Bridgewater at two years for $20 bucks, million, $10 million per, probably mostly guaranteed to get him through that contract, to get him to agree to come here. We know he wants to play in his hometown. He has the accuracy. He was a 65% passer in Minnesota the first two years he played, and he's fleet-footed enough. To be considered mobile, I know he's not really more than a stationary quarterback, but he can he can mitigate some of the pressure in the pocket you see the other quarterbacks cannot. So I think he comes down and is the 22nd highest paid quarterback in the NFL and provides that bridge to the 2020 draft class where the Dolphins ultimately select their long-term quarterback. This leaves the Dolphins with 11.4 million million to spend in on the draft picks they're going to make, which we'll do here next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, finish this thing up by doing the draft as well as the 53-man roster projection, all of that next at Wingfoot NFL at Locked On Fins.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast.
1: other positions not addressed in free agency, I think you could put the Dolphins on the market for would-be linebacker, safety, cornerback, and on the interior of the offensive line. But we are going to get some of those needs out of the way in this draft class, which we're going to get into right now as I have the Dolphins trying to find a trade partner to get into the back end of the first round and scoop up an additional second round draft pick, I believe ultimately they might even take a little bit lower than market value to make that happen, to get more draft picks, to get more bodies in the building. And so with that, I have the Dolphins executing a trade with the Oakland Raiders as the top offensive lineman, Jawan Taylor falls in the draft and the Raiders say, you know what? We have tons of picks. Let's go up and get him. So the Dolphins get pick 24 from the Raiders and pick 35 in the second round and they give Oakland the 13th pick in the draft and with pick number 24 they select Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State the safety that can come in and replace Rashad Jones once he is gone in a year or two at number two thirty-five overall. Cornerback David Long out of Michigan. He comes in right away and starts opposite Xavier Howard alongside Bobby McCain in the slot there. Number 2, 48 overall. Offensive guard Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. He comes in opening day and starts at left guard for you as well. In the third round, the Dolphins find their competition for Dan Kilgore at center in Lamont Gilliard out of Georgia. He comes in and has the power and athleticism they want at the position. In the fourth round, pick 116. I went for the quarterback right here, give me Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo. I think if you want to develop a guy, he has the athleticism and the big arm the Dolphins will look for to try to mold him into an accurate quarterback and make him a viable backup, if not a long-term project to possibly start. In the fifth round, 151 overall. I talked about this on Friday. David Sills, the fifth out of West Virginia. He can come in and compete right away for a job, I do believe. In the sixth round, 188. Again, another guy that's going to stay here the entire time. Running back out of Washington State, go Cougs. James Williams caught 89 passes last year at WSU. And in the seventh round, pick 234 overall. Linebacker Blake Cashman out of Minnesota. So that gives us a final 53-man roster. Again, I don't know how accurate this is going to be. This is kind of an idea of what you can expect for them to spend at certain positions, where the draft will fall to them in strengths and weaknesses at certain positions, but this is the final 53-man roster as it stands on March the 11th. Quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater, Jake Rudolph, and Tyree Jackson. Running backs, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balazs, James Williams, and Brandon Bolden. At fullback, a fifth running back in the mix, Anthony Sherman. And then out wide at wide receiver, Albert Wilson, Kenny Stills, Jakeem Grant, Bryce Butler, David Sills, and Isaiah Ford keeping six receivers. You can probably hack off Isaiah Ford if you so choose. Leontay Carew, after signing a new contract, does not make the team. At tight end, Dwayne Allen, Mike Kosicki, and Durham Smythe could look for an undrafted free agent there if you want a fourth in the position of tight end. On the offensive tackle side, Larry Tunzel and Jawan James. And the swing tackle this year is going to be Jesse Davis as he backs up right tackle, right guard, left guard, and left tackle for the Dolphins' offense. On the interior offensive line, we've got AJ can, Chris Lindstrom, Dan Kilgore, Lamont Gilliard, and Jake Brendel, a big improvement over last year, in my opinion. On the defensive line, we have Trey Flowers, William Hayes, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, Mike Pinnell, Jonathan Woodard, Tank Carradine, and I brought back Ziggy Hood on a contract. Linebacker, Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker, Chase Allen, Mike Hole, I have Charles Harris as a stand-up linebacker, though he can come down and play on the defensive line as well, and Blake Cashman, the rookie in the seventh round, at cornerback, Xavier Howard, rookie David Long, Bobby McCain, Cordray Tankersley, Tory McTire, Cornell Armstrong, and Jalen Davis, and at safety, where I'm still kind of concerned about this foursome, Minka Fitzpatrick. Rashad Jones, Jonathan Abram, and Walt Aikens. Those are my 53-man roster notes as it stands on March 11th. I talked about Jesse Davis being these top interior and exterior backup linemen. Charles Harris goes out to a linebacker slash outside rusher role. And Teddy Bridgewater is really the big piece of this entire thing. He has a very small chance, in my opinion, to develop into a future franchise quarterback in the league. The Dolphins take the chance on that and help be competitive in 2019, despite the fact that everybody wants to lose games to try to get to the number one pick, to get to a Tonga of Iloa. But to reiterate... If the Dolphins get the first pick in the draft, you better start looking for a replacement on Brian Flores because that means he's just not a very good head coach if he loses more games than everybody else in the NFL. So that's the roster predictions. That's the draft free agency. We're going to have a lot more write-ups and studies and breakdowns on films and analytics. All the fun stuff you guys have come to expect from the Locked On Dolphins podcast and .com page. Check out the Dwayne Allen column up on LOD.com right now if you want to get an idea of what the website and podcast will look like for the next week or two as free agency ramps up and the Dolphins kind of have to be players because, frankly, their roster is just really short right now on names. So I assume Miami will be active in the free agency class as well as in the draft this year, trading up and trading down, hopefully, and just expect a lot of change on this roster as they purge a lot of these old names that, frankly, have not contributed to the team in quite some time. Also, I put a poll up on Twitter. Do you want Trey Flowers at $15 bucks per year? Last I checked, there was 1,400 votes. 56% of you said yes. So the fan base entirely split on that decision, as we are on just about everything it seems. But as for today's show, guys, that's going to do it for me and be my time. If you have a smart speaker, please tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast or in the car with Bluetooth connectivity. Just say play Locked On Dolphins. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Binkville NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.